all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. <laughs> I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. COVID edition number two-ish, three-ish. Uh, three-ish? We'll lose count. Two to three. We'll lose count because it'll be a while. So, um, Follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Was that one of the cats? That was... There was somebody scurrying on the on the wooden floor. <laughs> um, email us allbadthings at gmail.com. Join the slew of scripts that we're getting from our awesome listeners. Scripts. Scripts. Did I say that? Yes. that kind of, scripts. The slew of scripts. <laughs> yes, I can't, I can't do it in the same pitch that you do. But. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounded like a dog bark. <laughs> um, yes, everybody is home and wanting to do research which is awesome we we welcome all of it wholeheartedly and trust us we will get to all of it yes because i'm still in tax season i don't know if i've mentioned that lately and uh now i have an 880 page bill to read through because of the tax implications the uh congress cares act i you know what <laughs> politicians need to fucking stop with the fucking acronyms cutesy little things i think Stop that, it. i almost think that they did that intentionally just to fuck with people the, the congress like sarcastically. Ca- yes the congress, <laughs> congress cares, cares. Act. here you go here's our care well there's a lot of tax provisions in that that is going to mean i need to it means i have job security for a while is it what does. it means i will tell you this apparently save your uh charitable donations receipts even if you don't itemize apparently because it's sheer anarchy in the tax code now you can claim 300 dollars deduction save everything and send it to rachel because she oh, loves no. everything oh no <laughs> don't you dare do that you know i have had clients just mail me shit out of the blue so don't do that, please. <laughs> and uh, I am in an industry where we are ramping up production because mm-hmm. we have to. But having said that, what you do and I do for a living, thankfully, we both have jobs to go to. We because do. that is not the case for, well, just this past week, that is not the case for an extra three and a half million yeah. people. Well, just like in a single day, you said, right? Claiming a single day filing. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that number is only going to get bigger. So record unemployment. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So it's, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Yes. We're still here. Mm-hmm. We're still here. And we are we are thinking about you. Trust me. Like whenever there's something I don't want to do at work now, the immediate thing I think of is, well, somebody can't go to work now. Right. Well, that or somebody's at work literally risking their lives. Because that's the other side. Mm -hmm. Other people who have job security are working in really dangerous conditions. Mm -hmm. Namely, like healthcare workers, people having to still interact with the public. The fact that there's still a public out there. Which, I mean, I do not have to do. Our plant site is so big. We just naturally separate from each other because I could be on the third floor of the P3 building doing whatever, mm-hmm. and the guy I'm working with, in quotations, could be in a completely different building 
hundreds of yards away. You're just literally. working simultaneously. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the only way they're co-working with you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at this point, if somebody is uh, going out willy-nilly and not for just essential things, they're a major part of the problem and they need to stop. And we already we already kind of know from examples of several countries, uh, China, South Korea, and Italy being three of them. Yeah, Italy has gone through a lot, but now it's starting to, I guess, come back down a little bit. Well, here's something, because we're all fucking epidemiologists <laughs> we now. Are. Um, something I read is you have to be really careful about that, too, because just because numbers start going down, that means things are starting to True. work. And then you have to keep going even after that you can't because then it'll just resurge right because they say this thing can be dormant after you've gone through it for up to three weeks well plus um so you can still infect somebody else plus uh, the anyway. idea is this is going to keep popping up the idea is to just keep the hospitals and our health care and our infrastructure from not being able to handle it from being steady and that's the whole reason and that's that is the main thing i wanted to get into because we are professional epidemiologists <laughs> um no, we're not the even whole, professional podcasters. No, we're not that either. <laughs> but the whole stay at home, don't go out, don't... The reason for that, the disease overall is not that deadly to most people. I'm. We actually aren't 100% sure because our statistics, as with any mass casualty event, are not going to be correct. That is true. But... And we don't even main, have sufficient testing here in the U.S. The either, main so. reason for these orders is to not overwhelm are already completely unstable infrastructure, uh, infrastructure. especially the healthcare system. That's why. So if you're a young person feeling fine, you catch the virus, yeah, you'll get through it, but what you'll also do is you'll overwhelm a hospital staff or a medical staff or a first responder team for... You didn't have to get this in the first place. Right. We have other people that are of a much greater concern. Mm-hmm. So that's why. It's well, to not overwhelm our 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 system as it is. And another thing to keep in mind, you know, people are like, oh, if you're elderly or immunosuppressed or have an underlying health condition. So if you're young and healthy, well, you know what? A lot of people have underlying health conditions they don't know about. Sure. You could have something a weakness of the lungs, a weakness of a heart, a congenital defect that you have no idea about until you get sick and die from this shit. So what the fuck? Yeah, just I, I'm so. not about the condition, about about being a jerk about it. <laughs> so everybody just for the next, I mean, for the foreseeable future. For the foreseeable future. Just stay in. Yeah. And play Xbox. I'll, I'll throw my handle out there on Twitter if, any, if, any, oh, okay. if, any, if anybody wants to play some NHL 20. Okay. Zach, I know you're game oh, for yeah, that. Oh, yeah, there you go. I, I would think that Zach would be a person that has a gaming system. He's in his early to mid-30s, I think, something. I'm not going to insult Zach by trying to guess his age because I don't either. know. He could be anywhere from like 25 to 45, I would guess. Just like me. I'll go with, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with 25. You're in the 25 to 45 <laughs> yes. age I'll go with the low end of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> um, I meant to I completely forgot so we were shouting out a bunch of our pod friends our indie pod friends especially last week and I totally forgot to shout out one of our locals um, uh, Javier who does uh, pretend podcast oh, the pretend which is podcast. excellent I was try- and has a, has a Patreon there was another local podcast that we did shout out though isn't does that, no, Disaster Area is no, not local. No, she's not local, anyway. I don't think. Um, 
Our, although our listener, Melissa, has a pod called Murder Down South, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes. Okay. I Am I getting it right? Yes, I think so. That's the that's her Twitter handle, I believe. Oh, okay. Good. Good. I thought that was... I thought I was getting it right. Yes. Um, and, but anyway, uh, also, uh, Javier has Pretend, and then he has a brand new podcast called Criminal Conduct that I listened to the... Fr- it just came out. I listened to the first episode, and it is, like, riveting. Okay. So for true crime fans, I completely recommend it. It had me hooked from like the first three minutes and already going like, oh, of course he did it. He's just, it's just that he's a cop and that everybody's like covering for him. And how did he get away with that? And, you know. Well, he got away with it because he's a cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Basically. Didn't even get indicted. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> But uh, we also have a little corrections corner from our, oh, first of all, all good things dropped. Yes. Um, randomly. We didn't know we were going to do it necessarily, but Kinda we did. literally just did it on a whim. And we said it was going to be every Thursday. We don't know, really. <laughs> so we're going to slightly walk that back. We don't know. It'll be like an Easter egg. It'll, it'll, there we go. We'll put it out when, it, when we put it out. There we go. Um, we, we may be overcommitted, <laughs> but um, we have a correction corner from teddy who pointed out that humpback whales are not the largest animal or mammal Mm -hmm. on earth it is the blue whale which can grow up to 100 feet long but as i said earlier i had the species correct you did and yeah you said with such confidence i had the uh, i had the genus correct you had the confidence of saying that boston was not the (laughs) (laughs) capital of massachusetts I was so confident in selling that that apparently somebody who lived in Massachusetts actually had to look it up. I love that. That's still my favorite thing. <laughs> so you know I was a good salesman back in the day. Mm-hmm. We also converted we converted a one-star reviewer. Yes, we did. Who up to, up to, up to, up to, up to three, three who said, "Oh, I get it. You're you're just talking to each other and if we're entertained in the process, then fine." The Michael Scott Thank gift. you. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. If you're not into it, then don't listen. Yeah. Like, it's not, you're not going to hurt our feelings. So and... I think they literally heard us dragging their one-star review, and we're like, oh, okay, well, I'll give you three. So well, thank you for before, being reasonable. Before we get to any other one-star reviews, mm. we're already uh, almost 11 minutes into banter. Which has never happened before. It has not. <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to mention, kind of because we have our <laughs> our podcast planning meetings basically as we're talking on the podcast um we have them in real time <laughs> we've talked about doing a facebook live video hmm? are we still open to that sure if you guys are interested let us know otherwise if there's not enough interest or we'll put a poll out a, a poll is the probably the easiest way to do for the for the six uh twitter responders that we have <laughs> Very true. But this is Facebook. A lot of people are not on both. True. Yeah. All right. <laughs> shall we proceed? We shall. To today's main event. Uh, yeah, our listens are majorly down. For some reason, people don't want to listen about disasters right now. <laughs> I couldn't imagine why. So we're going to take your mind off of anything resembling an epidemic and talk about a single isolated incident and... People fucking love air disasters, and I don't know why, but okay. It's, it's, it's because it's because very few of us will be flying on planes in the next couple of months. Well, that's true. This is not going to... You know what? You're right. This isn't going to, like, uh, 
traumatize anybody no. about to go because no not one's for about ne- to go yeah, anywhere. Not for the next couple of months, minimally. Minimally, yeah, exactly. Um, so this is some listener research by our loyal listener and good researcher, Eric, who okay. has submitted research before mm-hmm. as well. I think we've done an episode where he... I know I we have. so confidently, but I, I do know not we have, what and it I'm is. I'm trying to remember which one. Sorry, Eric. I'm so sorry, Eric. But, you know, one of the... So anyone who submits research, you guys are just amazing and awesome. Thank you so much. But I think Eric deserves a little extra shout out because Eric doesn't own a computer and he does this research and types it up on his smartphone. <laughs> which is like... A la uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Super extra. When... Um... Uh, not D. Dennis uh, wrote a whole script on his phone. <laughs> I don't but, remember but, that. But Frank, um, it was the uh, movie script where it was I about that I saw that. Where it was about Dolph Lundgren. They're gonna have Dolph Lundgren oh, in the I'm movie. I remember that. And Dolph Lundgren had to play <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> but Frank gets his fingers on the phone because oh, of his sausage uh-huh. hands greases up. <laughs> anyway, so, sorry for the sidebar. But anyway, I feel like that is true dedication. That is. To research. Yes. I wouldn't even do no, that. No, it would drive me insane. I would not do that. No. So that is, that takes a lot of patience. If I have to send a long text after a little bit, it kind of <laughs> drives me nuts. I, we, I couldn't write a whole thing. We might need to take up a collection and send Eric a laptop. Yeah. We can't take sips at the same time. Oh, what are you drinking, by the way? I am drinking uh, Catawba Brewing White Zombie, which is a white ale? Belgian ale? Yeah, and Something I'm like having that. good old Foothills People Porter. You want a People's Porter? You want to switch? Yes. We have very important business being done here. Uh, that'll always be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Reminds me of being at PNC Arena. Yeah, me too, right? Because they sell the they, People's Porter there. They do. They do. What? Okay, I'm not going to. We've bantered know. long enough. I was going to go off on, like, when is the Stanley miss, Cup going to be I, I miss you, NHL. <laughs> I don't miss sports at all. I really miss it. I really do. This sucks. (laughs) Well, didn't you say the Hurricanes have started playing an NHL 2020 computer game simulations? Not on on a fan account, yes. Oh, oh, okay. I thought uh, it was actually the game. I don't think it is. It would be hilarious if it was. (laughs) But but still on the fan account that I'm a Facebook uh, group fan person Mm -hmm. thing. (laughs) Right. Like anytime I'll click on it, there's I'm not even joking. There's like 1,500 people watching it. <laughs> I guess. What else do you do? You know the amount of uh, both incredibly entertaining and incredibly stupid shit going on know, right now is pretty. It's pretty great. People have mentioned like you know how the Renaissance cre- or um not the Renaissance. Well, remember we talked about the year without a summer and everybody had to stay indoors mm-hmm. because of the ash and stuff. And that's when Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. Nice. Like, uh, oh, great artwork will come of this, but we won't know it's great until like we won't a be decade sure. from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until then, it's a lot of like compilations of people singing stupid songs uh, on the, Zoom uh, chat and stuff. I just have to mention the celebrity compilation of john lennon's song imagine please stop oh doing that God. please stop doing that number one reason why I, you're I, all singing in different keys i stop will it. i will i will believe that john lennon will rise from his grave to stop that if it keeps continuing just something <laughs> i would actually kind of like to see maybe just, that's just, the point 
stop doing it. Yeah. Please. I've kind of Nobody had enough can, of celebrities talking. I've had right enough now. of celebrities, period. Just stop. Stop. Yeah. Stop it. I agree. I agree. I think <laughs> celebrities need to go away for a little bit. I think all the one percenters need to go away for a little bit and let the people have a moment. Just saying. All right. So, speaking of the people having a moment, let's talk about a plane crash. <laughs> That's a segue. <laughs> It's the best I could come up with. (laughs) This, my friends, is the story of Northwest Airlines Flight 255. So, I don't know about you, but, like, I do not recognize plane disasters by their number. Well, uh, the company, Northwest. Well, of course, yes, Northwest. But, like, if I said Northwest Airlines Flight 255, would you know what I was talking about? No. Yeah, same. Although I have a feeling there's a lot of our listeners who do. Well, I've never really watched the news either, like my entire yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. So I gotcha. I I never have either. Um, my grandpa used to watch it incessantly. He still does, unfortunately. Although, um, this is a horrible thing to say, but it's also my grandpa would really appreciate it. He doesn't remember what he's watching, so it's 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 all novel and new to him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I my hope grandpa. To, I hope to get there one day where every day it's something new. So my grandpa has Parkinson's dementia. You know, one of the like he still has an amazing sense of humor. He and does his and his wits he hasn't, are still, he hasn't lost his that. Wit is very sharp. He hasn't lost his personality. He has not at yeah. all. And he even finds a lot of humor in his current situation. And a running joke for him and me, like. Oh, 15 years ago or something well before he ever got sick was uh he used to say you know what the great thing about alzheimer's is you get to meet a lot of new people and read a lot of new books (laughs) every day every day and so and he still makes that joke to this day so hey coming from him that's a pretty fucking funny joke i mean it is He's a funny guy yeah he's a funny guy he definitely is my grandma on the other hand, well, that's a whole other story for whole, another day. That is a whole other story. All right. That that, that might deserve a whole All Bad Things episode <laughs> to itself. Well, we'll move on. <laughs> I love my grandmother, for the record. Move on, shall we? All right. So, on August 16th, 1987, oh? Northwest Airlines Flight 255 crashed shortly after taking off from the Detroit Metropolitan Airport, killing 156 people in what was then the second deadliest U.S. US aviation accident in history. And what I imagine is one of the reasons that Eric wanted to to research this episode, his family knew two of the passengers on board. Oh, God. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a personal connection there. So... Flight 255 was a McDonnell Douglas DC-982 MD-82 with tail number M312RC. Now, you know that I didn't do the research of this because that was a lot more information than I would ever put very in. specific. That was very, very well done, Eric. And to be clear, the, the bulk of this script is Eric. I come in and editorialize, sure. and it'll be very clear where I do that. Sure. <laughs> Um, so it started out on August 16, 1987, as Northwest Airlines Flight 750, leaving the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport in Minnesota, Minnesota, 
headed to Saginaw, Michigan's Tri-City Airport, now called MBS International Airport. So Eric put that in, MBS International Airport. I was like, oh, what does the MBS stand it's a, for? It's a bank, I think, isn't it? Is it? Because I couldn't find anything. I think it is. They, they don't sponsor airports. I, well, I guess they do. I mean, they, they sponsor no. arenas. I well, mean, well, yes, but not airports. Think of another. Try to think uh, of another. Well, airport. I, I see what you mean. MBS is obviously the airport code, but MBS. It is, but I couldn't find that it stood for anything mm, like um, Metro Borough Systems. There's some weird ones. I mean, I mean, YYZ is Toronto. But that's just the code. It I is. do love that code, though, because of the Rush song, obviously. Sure. So, anyway. Once Flight 750 arrived in Saginaw, it would continue its flight under the number 255 with its final destination of, and this is like the best airport name ever, John Wayne Airport. (laughs) John John Wayne Airport in Santa Ana, California. Um, my speaking of my grandmother, John Wayne was always her Hollywood crush. Well, sure. (laughs) So. Can you do a John Wayne impression or anything? I've I've never Have you really... ever <laughs> seen a John I've only Wayne seen film. John Wayne clips. I'm mm. not sure if I've ever watched a full movie. I'm not I in don't I'm think just I have I'm, I'm just not into westerns. It's never I hate been westerns so much. Yeah, I'm not it's a not fan. Something I'm really interested in. Same here. Because I know that the whole because I know the whole bravado and this whole thing of the it's really bullshit. It is. It's really more fiction. Toxic masculinity. Well, no, no, it's it's called it, or insecurity. It's called let's build up a, a great origin story, which yeah, these things happen occasionally. Mm-hmm. But if we let the origin build and build and build, then it becomes this. I mean, for the most part, anyway, whatever. It let's, feels let's very. Move on. It's like fantasy to me. I'm not it, a big. Yeah, it's fan. on the. It's in that realm. Yeah. So uh, back to but the it's, story. But it's <laughs> but it's great in a video game format. Oh, okay. You like a Western video game? Yes. Red Dead Redemption and oh, 1 okay. and 2. All right. They both take place... Uh, the first The first game takes place in 1910. The second game pl- takes place in 1899 and 1900. You know, that's a time of it's history... Th- very transitional. That I'm really not interested in. I, I think it's fascinating. <laughs> I really do. I think it's fascinating. I'm sure it's... I'm, I'm sure it is. I think it's more just I would never have wanted to live during that era, so I don't want to talk about it, uh, which is a really close-minded opinion. But. Yes and no for me. I mean, there would have been some cool things to, to go through for the first time, and then on the on the other front, so eh, maybe see, not so much. Prior to women's suffrage. I understand. I'm, prior to contraception. <laughs> I, I understand. Prior to a large number of I understand of this okay. coming from a white male perspective. Okay. Yeah. I, I do. You recognize your privilege. Well, I do. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want to be a woman at any time in history. Yeah, fair enough. Much less 120 years ago. Same here. <laughs> so. so, in between Minneapolis and Santa Ana, it would stop at Detroit Metropolitan Wayne County Airport in Romulus, Michigan. Romulus, which mm. is a Detroit suburb, mm. and Sky Harbor International Airport in Phoenix, Arizona. The flight crew of 750 that then turned into 255 included 57-year-old Captain John Mouse, and that's M-A-U-S, out of Las Vegas, Nevada, who had 31 years of experience flying for Northwest. And he was certified to fly seven different aircraft, including the Boeing 757 and the McDonnell Douglas DC-9 and DC-982. 
He had just recently qualified for the DC 982 in May of 87. Mouse logged 20,859 flight hours in his career. I know, right? With 1,359 of those in the DC 982. (coughs) Excuse me. Again, no COVID. We're still dealing with pollen here. Plus this room, this bedroom, just has some sort of magical power to make us both get stuffy noses while we're talking. Anyway. Um, so Mouse was regarded by other pilots as being a, quote, competent and capable pilot, end quote, with a reputation for operating, quote, by the book, end quote. So if I'm going to pick an airline pilot, I would want... This is the guy. <laughs> competent is good. Yeah. Capable is good. By the book is good. That's exactly what we want. I don't know how many hours are in a year. That'd be interesting to look up. But you know, it sounds like he's got... a lot of time. Sounds like he's got about a year's worth of actually, like, if, if you set him up... In a plane from day one, from hour one to where it is now, mm-hmm. he's been up there for like a year or two. I'm so bad at hours. And we mention flight hours all the time mm-hmm. in these disasters, and it's really hard to put in perspective, but I do know that most experienced pilots, like, we definitely it's see a, a crazy five amount of figure hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. Easily. 10,000 hours is a lot. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, it would sure, you'd sure think 20 so. 20-some thousand hours. Wow. Yeah, this is exactly who I want. To Piloting be my pilot. Aircraft. Exactly. Yes. Flight 255's first officer was 35-year-old David Dodds from Galena, Illinois. And he had worked for Northwest for over eight years. And he logged 8,044 flight hours, including 1,604 on the DC-982 during his career. So less, but he's the first officer. He is not the main pilot. <laughs> but I, I still, I'm not going to shake a stick at like 8,000 hours. That sounds like a lot. Chump. <laughs> right? <laughs> Pilots rated Dodd's performance as a first officer as average or above average. So, okay. Comments about his performance included that he was a competent pilot, easy to work with, and, quote, good in all aspects. Okay. Quote. You, you can work with that. That's fine. One captain said that Dodd's did not appear to be a yes man. That's also good. Question authority, always. And that he handled a very busy period, quote, very well and calling a potential problem to the pilot's attention, end quote. Great. So even under stress, he seems to um, act professionally and and behave in the way he should be. Now, I will, I'm going to go off off on a slight tangent because I know that that, I never do that. So I'm, and I'm stuttering for reasons unknown. I've been doing that a lot. Uh, Stress stuttering. At any rate. <laughs> Struttering. Struttering. <laughs> Is anyone else struttering now? <laughs> yeah, three three and a half million people, apparently. Right. So um, I'm going to speculate. So he had uh, average or above average reviews. I remember in my last job prior to when they laid me off and then I got smart and started my own business and am now happier than I ever was there, especially without a dipshit boss. Um, my first performance review with said dipshit, uh, he was like going through the little checklist, you know, of like each attribute and whether you were average, above average, whatever the case may be. He took that opportunity to say, well, there was that one time when you sort of questioned my authority, basically, is what he said. I mean, I'm, that's not how he said it, because he was a bullshit sales 
manipulative bastard. And so he like said it in a certain way. But I was like, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, you told me to do a really stupid ass thing. And it was a really stupid ass thing. That guy was a total dipshit. I have been thinking (laughs) that I'm very glad I'm not still working there right now. I'm surprised that bottle survived, like, being slammed out. (laughs) It wasn't that hard. It's in a koozie. It's protected. I I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's how I actually feel about that person. I know. At any rate, so I'm wondering if his, quote, average rating was because he wasn't a yes man. He was by his Raiders admission, not a yes man. When you're not a yes person, when you're not someone who just blindly says yes to authority, authority doesn't like you. That's how it works. Thank you. I'll step off my soapbox now. All right. Uh, So... In addition to Mouse and Dodds, there were four flight attendants, so there was a total cabin crew of six. The DC-982 they were flying was built on October 15th, 81, 1981, or I guess completed. I don't think it was. (laughs) A DC-982 isn't built in a day. Let's hope they weren't completing it in the air, too. (laughs) And it was delivered to Republic Airlines on December 8th, 1982. Republic was later bought bought out by Northwest in 86, so that's how they ended up with the plane. The aircraft had two Pratt & Whitney model JT-8D-217 turbofan engines with a tested output of 20,000 pounds at 84 degrees Fahrenheit. You can tell I did not write that sentence, right? That was all Eric. I loved how you, uh, you know, rolled right off the tongue, though. Just like that. You sounded Give me like technical a, shit and you, I can do you it. You sounded like a Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused <laughs> describing his car. I actually have never seen Dazed and Confused. Oh my god, that's that's. I've seen clips. We're gonna move on, okay? Because that's a travesty, and we will watch that at some point during this coronavirus <laughs> lockdown. Now that I know you haven't seen it, <laughs> I did buy the entire uh, series of The Office on DVD. It's only forty-two bucks on Amazon, which you have seen six times, and mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating. Five? No, you are well underestimating. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to guess 25 at this point, but I could be wrong. Dazed and Confused came out in 1993, but it takes place in 1976. I knew that, that it took place in like the 70s. Yeah. It is phenomenal. Well, but it's a childhood movie for you. Like it came out during your teenage years. I am sure it still holds up. I haven't seen it in a long time, but when people still quote it here and there, and I'm talking, I see younger people. What's a famous quote from Dazed and Confused? Oh my God. Um, Fuck you was written on his paddleboard. Um, there are other things. I just can't think of them right now. I haven't seen it in a while. Okay. But but as soon as like, trust me, like as soon as the movie starts playing, I will be able to literally just about quote everything. You'll be it. like me when we watched Beauty and the Beast, like yeah. singing along, except you're speaking along. Right. Okay. But it'll be way cooler than that. Beauty and the Beast is pretty cool. What was your? No, we let's not go into <laughs> um, all bad Disney ratings. So later investigations of the maintenance records found no discrepancies or malfunctions. The aircraft had a maximum takeoff weight capacity of 149,500 pounds, and the weight at the time of takeoff in Detroit was 144,047 pounds. This is all going to come into play later. I'm not just, we're not, Eric's not just giving random facts for no reason, people. 
So flight 750, remember it was 750 before it came to before it became 255, landed safely in Saginaw from the Twin Cities around 6:40 p.m. local time. There was a little bit of a snafu in the landing, but more in the taxiing. So the plane taxied past its assigned gate and then had to turn around okay. and come back. So that whatever, yeah. I would think so. Yeah, and it's not like because even if, if you just Imagine you're the pilot and just like a second too late, you realize you're going past the gate. Like there's no, oh, just stop and back up. Exactly. It's not a car. No. <laughs> it's a fucking plane. Exactly. Um, but otherwise, everything was uneventful and perfectly normal. Once the disembarking passengers left the aircraft in Detroit, a Northwest mechanic checked the cockpit and reviewed both the airplane and cabin, and cabin maintenance logs. No discrepancies were noted and no records of any maintenance were recorded as being made while in Detroit. The flight release package was given to the first officer about 10 to 15 minutes before departure by a Northwest agent. So I looked up what a flight release was. And it's basically like a, it's not a manifest because I think a manifest has like every passenger's name listed or whatever. But it's essentially, from what I could gather, like a summary of the flight. It says like who's operating the flight, who the flight crew is, the point of departure, the point of arrival, um, the fuel capacity, the fuel load, all that stuff, the registration number of the, you know, like it's like a... A CV, sort of, of the plane, sure. you know? yeah. Meanwhile, Captain Mouse was conducting a walk-around inspection of the plane before they started boarding. And he then studied the release and thanked the... I put the NWA agent. <laughs> but not that NWA. Get it? I do. <laughs> Northwesterners with attitude. That's right. So according to the National Weather Service records, by 7.30 p.m. local time, the weather in Detroit, uh, or the Detroit area, was deteriorating a little bit. It was about 30% covered with thunderstorms and rain showers that were just getting worse. Visibility was at 6 miles, but hazy. And then by 7.50, it was 88 degrees, uh, 31 Celsius, but that's summer, so it was uh, middle of August, so even in the Midwest, it's going to get pretty hot. And winds were at seven knots or about eight miles per hour. And within an hour, the temperature had dropped a little to closer to 79 degrees Fahrenheit or 26 Celsius. And the winds had picked up to 12 knots or about 14 miles per hour. At 8.32 p.m., flight 255 left the gate with 149 passengers, 21 of whom were children. Sorry. And the six crew members. The crew read the before start checklist. And I imagine that's exactly what it sounds like. Like, do all this before you start the engines. So they did that. And then they started the engines at 8.33 p.m. Ground control instructed the captain to, quote, taxi via the ramp, hold short of taxiway delta, and expect runway 3 center 3C for takeoff, end quote. Uh, the flight crew were also informed that the Automatic Terminal Information Service, or ATIS, hotel, or H, was now current. So, from what I could gather, that's basically like a radio frequency assignment. Like, you can talk to us on this channel now, basically. The flight crew repeated the instructions and that they received the ATIS information. So, that's, I think that's pretty standard... I don't know, I'm fucking speculating at this point, but I think that's pretty standard in like military or aviation or things like that, that when you receive orders, you you um, repeat them back. 
for the purpose sure. of being like, I got this to way, right? That yeah, exactly. You at least heard it. That you heard it. Here's what I heard. So that way it could be corrected if it's incorrect. Mm-hmm. That that makes perfect sense. Um, the controller cleared the aircraft to continue taxiing to exit the ramp at taxiway Charlie, so C, and to taxi to runway 3C. Uh, or Charlie C. I think C means center in this case. So there's L, R, and C, left, right, and center, and then numbers. Sure. <clears throat> They were also instructed to change radio frequencies and contact ground control on frequency 119.45 megahertz. First Officer Dodds repeated the taxi clearance, but did not repeat the radio frequency, nor did he switch the frequency as instructed. So it was kind of like a half answer to the instructions. Now, the the dispatch package, that um, info sheet, the flight release info... Mm -hmm. Um, given to the flight crew was based on either using runway 21L or 21R. So it they, they were specific, getting a little bit into the weeds, which is great because I'm almost done with my beer and that's important to get to the technical stuff when I'm beer in. But um, it's important because runways differ in length. Sure. And so the re- technical requirements might be different based on well, the you're runway. Well, you're not going to send like a 20-passenger plane down the same runway as a 200-passenger right. plane. Yep. It's not going to take the same amount of time for it to get up to speed. Exactly. To take and, off. And the payload weight and the shear. Well, all that's, all that, <laughs> well, but, but that's going to be greater the more people you can yes. carry. Correct. Correct. So... Um, remember ground control, so they had prepared for 21L or 21R, but ground control said 3C, which is the shortest runway there. So that's a difference, right? I already see where this is going. So they had to recalculate the onboard computer for taking off on this new runway because of the shorter distance. And Captain Mouse asked Dodds if they were even able to use 3C due to potential weight restrictions. I'm imagining, it's a little speculative here, but I'm imagining that that comes into play where if you're too heavy as an aircraft on a short runway, you're not going to make it up in time. Right. That's what she said. So... (laughs) Dodds consulted the runway takeoff weight chart manual and stated that, yes, they could, since the aircraft's weight was below the maximum weight for runway 3C. So during during the taxi out, in a wee bit of deja vu to where they accidentally taxied past their arrival gate before. Yes, they did. They taxied past 3C, too. Mm. Um... Don't don't know why, but at any rate, it's uh, probably because he's not used to dealing with a smaller. He's probably not used to being in that area, maybe. Because of the the because different the runway, smaller, he was yeah. expecting a different one runway. That's possible, especially if he, like, it could be one of those moments where you're thinking twenty one L, twenty one L, or whatever. You know, like the other the other runway, and then you're like, okay, no three C, three C, twenty one L. Oh shit, I just passed three C. That sort of thing. I do stupid that, shit like that, that all the time. But that would be my guess. Is yeah. That he's just not necess- He's a little out of his... He's like, all right, I've flown here plenty of times. I always take off on these Maybe particular too, runways, yeah. and mm-hmm. now I'm in a different area. And Could be. What? Even highly competent pilots can space out from time to time. Sure. We hope they don't when it matters, but... So they, they accidentally 
past uh, the taxi, the turnoff for taxiway 3C. So Dodds contacted ground control, who redirected them to runway 3C and repeated, at this point, he they repeated the frequency of to change to 119.45 megahertz. Now this time, Dodds did repeat the frequency and changed over, so... At this point, ground control informed the first officer that wind shear alerts were in effect. This is a really interesting story because there's a lot of red herring causes along the way. So anyway, at 8.42, control, uh, ground control cleared flight 255 to taxi to runway 3C and hold. And at 8.44, flight 255 was cleared for takeoff, which it did, lifting off at a speed of about 200 miles per hour or 310 kilometers per hour. Now, if that's average, I always wondered, like, how fast are you going when you lift off? Oh, you're going really fast. It feels like it. It sure as fuck feels like it. I wonder if you land at that speed, too. Because, you know, that that second when the everyone who's ever flown is going to know exactly what I'm talking about, where, like, you know you're getting close and close and close and close to the ground, and then all of a sudden you feel the contact, and then there's that... And then it's just like normal. You know what I mean, though, right? I do. Yes, I do. It's weird, isn't it? Isn't it a little bit like I? No, it's the, it's they're they're coming in at a certain speed, and as soon as you land, you got to hit the brakes. Right, you and know? I get that. I'm just saying, like, it's an. I wonder if there's anybody in the world who like is totally not paying attention or observing that ever. You know, because it's it's a. I don't well, know. Well, let's hope those people aren't the pilots. For <laughs> well, one, here we go. And for two, I mean, I mean, we've been on plenty of takeoffs and landings and, mm-hmm. mm. you know, I'm not saying that it's something to be worried about. I'm just saying it's a weird sensation for the human body. Like it's a weird experience. I don't know. I've just always felt that way. Maybe I'm a weirdo. Maybe. Maybe I'm a creep. <laughs> I'm a weirdo. What the, the hell am I doing what here? The, what the hell are we doing here? Oh, which is God probably, knows. Which is probably what our audience is asking themselves right now. We're publicly breaking down. That's what we're doing now. All right. So they took off. Now, witnesses who saw the takeoff stated that the takeoff was longer than normal. So I don't... I'm guessing that the witnesses were like air traffic control or people who knew the runway. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so maybe they... Like, we're really using up the runway as opposed to taking off at the point they should have? I don't know. But witnesses also said that the angle of the plane, like, with its nose up, was so sharp that the tail almost hit the ground. So it was, like, banking pretty hard up. Well, that that tells me that the the pilot was like, we have to get up to speed quickly and just take <clears throat> off with whatever runway we have left as opposed to being... Like a smoother. Well, as opposed to being, I generally have another half mile to work with. Mm, maybe. And so maybe I, that's. Um. So we, we know how you love speculation. <laughs> yes, I've, I've speculated. 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 I've speculated a couple of times. I think I have. At any rate, it didn't take very long for things to go from bad to worse. Um. I almost put. Or I looked into putting some of the transcript quotes after takeoff into the script. 
But to be perfectly honest, it was basically mostly, you know, like Niner Niner technical stuff, followed by a bunch of swearing. Okay, yeah. So none of that's, well, the technical stuff you expect, the swearing's not so good. So there wasn't really a whole lot to, like, delineate what was going on. But at any rate, just after Flight 255 became airborne, the plane began to roll Mm. left and right. So it was just, like, teeter-totter. No, it's horrible. It's horrible. In some cases, witnesses saw that, like, it basically rotated 90 degrees. Which is, like, sideways. Yeah. Like, wing down sort of banking and within about a half mile of the end of runway 3c the left wing of the aircraft struck a light pole Mm. at a nearby car rental lot which caused the wing to begin to disintegrate and catch fire Mm. the plane then rolled hard to the left and hit the roof and from what i read sheared the roof off of an Avis rental car building. Really? Yeah. No shit. <clears throat> now, shockingly, like nobody, nobody on in the that... ground died, or we'll get wow. to that. But nobody in this building died. Mm. So whether it was um, a storage building or after business hours, I don't know. But um, now, <clears throat> at this point, the plane was just completely out of anyone's control. Obviously, including the pilot. Um, the plane slammed upside down. Into nearby Middle Belt Road, just north of its intersection with Wick Road, hitting several vehicles and killing two people on the ground. So, yes, people on the ground did die. The plane skidded down the road, hitting a railroad embankment and disintegrating all along the road. Fires erupted among the debris and three occupied cars on the road were destroyed. Wow. Yeah. That's fucking... And this is like 8.40 at night or something, 8.45 at night. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like there's nobody around. Right, it's not middle you know, of the it's, night. Yeah. yeah. It's not rush hour. No. That's, I guess, small favors. It's like but... people are around at 8.45 at night, pretty much mm-hmm. wherever you live. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, more or less. <clears throat> now, this, uh, this writing is a, a lot of very good writing on Eric's part. So the romp, I mean, this all is, but still. The Romulus Fire Department was dispatched immediately. When he arrived on the scene, firefighter John Thide, I hope I'm spelling it, or uh, pronouncing it right, it's T-H-I-E-D-E, so that's how I'm going to pronounce it, could hardly believe his eyes. The wreckage of the plane was strewn over a half-mile-long stretch of Middle Belt Road, and part of the northbound embankment was on fire. And... Yes, I do have a picture for you. Holy shit. You can see the embankment all singed, but look at that. This is plane wreckage. You can't see anything. It's just debris. Honest to God, because there's a kind of a funnel there because that's over an interstate, it Mm -hmm. looks like. Um, It fucking kind of looks like uh, in 1917 when they had to cross cross, uh, no man's land. Mm. charred earth on one end and yeah, the other and just like scorched earth it's yeah. just oh god that's horrible it is horrible it is very horrible the plane itself was obliterated like yeah, it, as you can yeah. see there's not like a fuselage somewhere this this just disintegrated it which is awful yellow blankets marked where the bodies were found and you can you can see that in this picture mm-hmm. look at all that oh god there's 
quite a few of them. There's a lot. Well, there's 150 yeah. some on board, so. And yeah. nobody survived this. Let's keep going. Oh. Yeah. Rescue workers shifted through what wreckage remained looking for any survivors. Thai joined in what looked to be a futile r- rescue effort. Then during his search, Thide heard a faint moaning. Looking around, he noticed a small arm protruding from the wreckage. Thide, along with Romulus firefighter Dan Kish and volunteer firefighter and EMT Roy Brindamore, not to be confused with Rod Brindamore, <laughs> moved the debris away. Searching with a flashlight, Thide saw four-year-old Cecilia Kitchen, and or it could be Chichen, I apologize, I don't know how to pronounce it, C-I-C-A. H-A-N, of Tempe, Arizona. Remember, this plane was going to um, stop in Phoenix. Wow. Uh, She was still strapped. She was alive and still strapped to her seat. Four years old. She was found 35 yards away from her mother's body. Because she's not flying alone. She's four years old. And several feet away from any other bodies. After carefully removing her from the wreckage, Chichen was... Kitchen, Chichen was rushed to the hospital in critical condition. Cecilia will call her. Cecilia was rushed to the hospital in critical condition with third degree burns over 30% of her body, mm. a broken leg, fractures to her skull and collarbone, and oh, difficulty so breathing. God. A four year old. But somehow still alive through all of this. Her parents and brother all died in the crash. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, and she would later make a full recovery. Wow. This is her in the hospital. Oh my god. I know, sweet baby. Like, look at... If you told somebody that, oh, she just went through a plane crash. Like, well, she's nobody, up and alert. And but nobody, but nobody would cute. believe you from well, this photo. Well, she has, like, a, a massive could, bandage on her hand and her fallen, brace on Could have wrist. fallen down the stairs. I guess. You know? I mean, yeah. no, she went through a plane crash. Like, she survived sur- a plane crash. Yeah. That's the I I didn't know this until I was working through um Eric's script that this is a little bit of a miracle so too very much so and this was 1987 so she was born presumably 83 possibly 82 mm-hmm. so she's like 37 38 today and so she she's very close to my age mm-hmm. like maybe born a year or two uh, before me and just I cannot imagine I mean. I guess if somebody has to go through that, better it be... This is the worst thing to say. Better be somebody who's probably not going to remember the worst of it. I don't know. That's There's just no good. There's no good. Never mind. <clears throat> Other than she survived, which is fantastic. That is fantastic. So in total, 156 people were killed, including 142... Sorry, 148 passengers, six crew members, and two fatalities on the ground. Mm. As well as five people injured on the ground, and Cecilia. I'm surprised w- that's all it was. The, I know, the, the ground right? fatalities sound over a half mile. You'd think that it would be, or even you would the think injuries. That, you would think that would be more than two fatalities and five injuries. Yes, yes. Just absolutely. judging on that photo alone. Seriously, yeah. absolutely. And Cecilia was the sole survivor of flight two fifty five. Yeah, God. Investigation into the crash of the court, uh, the cause of the crash. Sorry. Followed in short order. After recovering the cockpit... Cockpit... 
It's a good thing we don't edit. Cockpit voice recorder and the flight data recorder. Officials with the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, went about reconstructing the events prior to takeoff. Investigators also also examined the wreckage for any clues as to the cause of the crash. I mean, not that there's much to sift through. Can I guess what the main cause of the crash was? Uh, They were on the wrong runway. Meaning that it was shorter than they anticipated and should have been okay well like remember i said that there's a lot of red herrings in this like sure. a lot of ba- oh there's bad weather wind shear oh there's a short runway but that, but that kind of stuff is normal the short runway part is not normal but they found something okay so the physical evidence showed uh, the physical evidence not only the physical evidence but they actually found this in the cockpit voice recorder so they were able to tell from the cockpit voice recorder what had been done prior to takeoff, right? Because, sure. like, they're, they're part of the checklist. Well, they were doing maintenance. Well, not or, just maintenance, or, uh, but their pre flight checklist, yes. right? Is very clear. Like, it, it's written. <laughs> You're moving the microwave. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's because <laughs> the towel keeps moving. Okay. Yes, our, our amazing soundproofing here. Our towel, trusty towel. <laughs> Towels and comforters. So whatever works. <laughs> the cockpit voice recorder they could compare that to like okay, did they read off everything on the checklist or not? Mm. So, um the physical evidence showed that the pilot failed to set the flaps and slats for takeoff. Now, to clarify, flaps and slats are parts of an airplane's wings that are used mm-hmm. during takeoff and landing to increase the surface area of the wing to keep lift high. So, sure. in other words, it helps get you up. Yeah, <laughs> That's absolutely. What she said. When okay, I'm gonna stop. Yes. When taking off, and I imagine help control when you land. So that's well, the I th- idea. I think it's mostly for aerodynamics and mm-hmm. windshield wind shear when mm-hmm. you're taking off to absorb it, and then when you are landing to absorb it to slow down. Well, I, I think, think that's the. I think it's for loft in takeoff and for shear in landing. Or sure. all, or all of those things. Sure. We're, I have, I'm not a journalist. I have my uh, engineering degree from Trump University. <laughs> so, and it's worth the paper it's it printed is. on. Uh, and I have a I have a BS or I have a master's in uh, aerodynamics from Liberty University. <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, th- I mean th- this this story fucking sucks. I know sucks. it does. It does. Um, so the they cockpit, all do, they all do most of the ones I we know do. the cockpit voice recorder showed that the flight crew failed to adhere to the taxi checklist and missed the critical step of setting those important parts for takeoff. Sure. Now, real quick, I would love to plug um, an episode of NPR's Hidden Brain called Check Yourself. It was released. I looked it up. It was released around October 2017, and it actually like really impacted my own work. There, they talked specifically about how prior to written procedure requiring exact like check marks every single time of the exact same procedure. Every step of the way. For surgeons in the medical field, for aviation, for a number of, of fields, like that step alone ended up saving countless lives. Well, because it puts it right back. <clears throat> it's It's very easy to be like, to just dis- you're not dismissing it outright. No, you you're don't just, know you're, you're missing it. You're just you're just 
moving on to the next thing or thinking about something else. for a lack of a better term. Yeah. You think you, you're like, I've done this a thousand times. I know what the next step is. Fucking did it the other night at work, but oh well. Mm. I mean, it's you know, uh, shut the plate heater off before you uh, dump carbon into the tank. Mm. Now I didn't hurt anything, right? But you know, it could have fucked up the plate heater, right? You know, there, there's there's like a there's a procedure for, for a everything. And they learned, yeah. and what they t- get into in the hidden brain is that like writing it down and forcing adherence to like I don't care if you've done this a trillion times. You're going to do it a trillion and one times and check off every fucking box as you go. And I didn't even realize it until like a couple of hours later. Oh, I was like, that's oh, the worst. fuck. I, I was like, I just did that. We don't have a, a, our team at the moment does not have a supervisor because right, he's yeah. home quarantining because mm-hmm. he's potentially exposed. Right. Um, so I had to go to our like pseudo. He's been there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And tell him, um. Yeah, I I put carbon into the tank while the plate heater was still on, and I was like, I was like, I think I know what we had, and he was just like, he's like, no big deal. He's like, we just have to do a, a hot water CIP on it. I'm getting technical. I'm. Sorry. I was gonna say you're gonna but, um, make uh, Emily go crazy <laughs> trying to figure out what you do. <laughs> but uh, he was just, we'll, we'll just, it'll take an hour longer to clean out that yeah. tank because every tank that we, when it's empty, goes through a cleaning procedure. With very, very, very hot water. We're mm-hmm. talking 80 degrees Celsius water. So <laughs> You're getting really technical. Sorry. There. Anyway. But back to the checklists. Yes. Um, I use checklists for tax preparation because it's really easy to lose track, especially bouncing between clients. Like I work on this client's return, then that client's return, ask these questions, whatever. I put everything in a spreadsheet, like follow up on this, follow up on that. Like... Trusting your own instincts, trusting your own memory, trusting your own, even your own, like, I've done this a thousand times. Like, ask any musician. You can do something a thousand times and still fuck it up pretty bad. So, I really the, recommend... it's just the smallest thing when you're not necessarily paying attention. And it's not on you as an individual. No. It's just the human brain. So, I really recommend that episode of Hidden Brain. It, it, it's fantastic. What is the actual name of the episode? Check Yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hidden Brain, Check Yourself. Yep. On what podcast? Hidden Brain. Okay. <laughs> but but isn't Hidden Brain like an NPR or it's something? It's the show. It's the podcast. Yes. Oh, okay. Hidden Brain podcast okay. on NPR with Shankar Vedantam. Of course. Yes. So basically, and it's the shittiest thing. Not I'm not I'm not blaming the first officer or the or the pilot at all. It's just the shittiest thing because we've all done that. Like you, like you were talking about, we've all forgotten like one silly little step hmm? in something. But for most of us, it doesn't end up with 156 <laughs> people dead. Fucking thank God. So. Um, but then, okay, so you'd think there would be a fail-safe on top of that, right? Like, okay, so you forgot to do this one thing in the checklist, but what's your fail-safe? Well, the fail-safe was apparently the central oral warning system. That's A-U-R-A-L. Um, also called the CAWS, or C-A-W-S, which should have warned the cockpit crew by sounding an alert. Like an audio alert and a horn alert, and it failed. It didn't go okay. off. so the... And uh, 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 apparently the the electrical supply was the issue. 
like there was some short or some problem with the circuit yeah. going to the cause, and that's why it didn't go off. But the NTSB couldn't determine whether it, the circuit break. So the circuit circuit was tripped. They couldn't determine whether it, it was tripped or intentionally left open or failed by preventing electrical current to flow when the breaker was closed. They didn't know why, but for some reason, the the circuit didn't complete and that warning system didn't go off. So. It was sort of a, a, um, a terrible combination of two things. One was an accident, a human error, and the other was a mechanical error it's a, that a, should have backed You have up. the combination of a technical and yeah. mm-hmm. human error, which is exactly you know, never good. So the cause of the crash was ultimately determined to be pilot error for failing to follow the takeoff checklist, which led to the floods and slats or the flaps and slats. Wait, was it floods and slats or flaps, flaps. and slats? Flaps and slats. That's that's not being properly set for takeoff. And then the failure of the cause was determined to be a contributing factor. I imagine that that must have felt really shitty for the surviving family of the flight crew. Like, I'm only thinking of how fucking absolutely because most air airplane accidents happen on takeoffs or landings. They say that the vast majority so now we're back at a takeoff. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. No, I couldn't only imagine. Right. I don't want to imagine the fucking sheer horror of taking off from a plane and banking Rolling. ninety degrees left and right. Now, if you're a pilot in the air force and you're doing that in a jet, <laughs> right? It's probably a lot of fun. This is this, this is this, this is not this is not a, a U.S. Air Force pilot it's a in a jet. jet. It's a passenger jet with 160 plus people on board. Right banking left and right which i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say with my uh, with my second bachelorette from trump university just b- bachelor you mean your bachelor's degree that too <laughs> based on physics alone you probably don't want to do that in one of those no. type of planes no they're not made for that no no, um, I guess the only upside is at least this happened quick once it did happen. But it, it there's no, there's no good. There's no good. Well, there, there, there was one survivor. So well, there, let's keep going. Oh, so okay. as a result of the investigation, and here's some good too. Pre-flight checklists were simplified and standardized across the airline industry. So that's sure. good. That's fantastic. Also, all electrical circuit breakers would be investigated to determine reliability. So basically, sure. they address the exact two things that caused it. Whenever a plane lands before it takes on another, what it sounds like to me, mm-hmm. before it takes on another crew of people, right. as they do an electrical That's test, what it sounds like to me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure everything's okay, everything's good. Like, we're not going to have a repeat of this, no. right? And and I'm, I love that. I think it's fantastic that that is the, like... Look, we found out what the problem was. Let's make it never happen again. If only we could apply that to everything in life. Let's make it. <laughs> let's make sure that it likely never happens again. Right. Like there, right. there's, there right. could there's be all no sorts of freak still, things that could happen. But, but yeah. still, the cause on the DC nine aircraft would be modified to illuminate a fail light on the overhead in case of a power loss. So, in other words, if the oral warning system didn't work it would flash a light to warn the the crew like hey look we're flying without this critical 
piece of potential backup here. And then training and emphasis would be placed on all flight crews in following checklist procedure. So they, what was it, uh, um, on the Ryan Started the Fire episode of The Office? There's too many office references There's in too many show. offices. Just, um, just too many offices in general. Although, you know what? A COVID-19 episode of The Office would be amazing. Maybe they'll make that. <laughs> That'll be the reunion. Right, write, a, write, a, write a spec script. Oh my God, yeah. right? Maybe That'd I'll be do perfect. That. that would be perfect. Somebody out there, Lee, get on that. <laughs> but at any rate, <clears throat> Michael Scott was trying to teach Ryan, like, oh, you don't need business school. I can, I can teach you business school. And he said, like, you have to remember, act, adapt, readapt, act. <laughs> And that's what this reminds me of. Anyway. Anyway. So firefighter John Thide is now a captain for the Romulus Fire Department. He still remembers the day Flight 255 crashed. I cannot even. I'm like, sure he does. singed in your memory. I'm sure quite he does. literally. Now, Cecilia Kitchen or Kitchen. Fortunately, she's now Cecilia Crocker. Easier for me to pronounce because I'm an idiot and didn't look this up. Understandably, rarely talks about the crash or gives interviews. I sure wouldn't really want to talk about a traumatic event that happened when I was four. Um, But she was interviewed in the CNN documentary Soul Survivor in 2013. In the documentary, she said, I think about the accident every day. It's kind of hard not to think about it when I look in the mirror. I have visual scars, my my arms and my legs. And I have a scar on my forehead. End quote. And then she showed her left wrist, which has a tattoo. Mm -hmm. So that's Cecilia in 2013. Mm. And she has a silhouette of an airplane on her left wrist. I mean, she she thinks about it every day anyway. Well, this is what she says. Yeah. Quote, I got this tattoo as a reminder of where I've come from. I see it as so many scars were put on my body against my will, and I decided to put this on my body for myself. End quote. And remember, she lost her mom, she her dad, it. and her brother mm-hmm. in this in this uh, accident in this crash. So that's just awful. But she says she has no qualms flying. She flies wow. without any problems. She says, "Quote: I have this mentality where if something bad happened to me once on a plane, it's not going to happen again." The odds are just astronomical. Yeah. End quote. Which is a very healthy, adjusted way to look at it. True. I mean, lightning's not going to strike twice because, I mean, what we have to keep in perspective, we've done a lot of airplane crash episodes. Well, up until uh, (laughs) COVID-19, tens of thousands of flights are going on at any given time Mm -hmm. during the day. Without incident. With nothing. Or yeah. at the at the most, like a minor incident where somebody right. they had to uh, we had sure, to land knows, early yeah. or whatever we ran out of gas, right? You know. So she's right. The odds are very much <laughs> against anything ever happening to her again. It does make me think of um, apparently the first death in Israel from COVID nineteen was in a Holocaust survivor. <laughs> it's just sort of one it's of those just like fuck a, a, all the shit I had to fuck get through. Life, yeah, just fuck life in general. So. I so uh, I am at so Cecilia is like I said either like thirty seven thirty eight now married and and happily living her life and hopefully she just gets as happy a life as possible from here on out because you shouldn't have to go through that shit when you're a kid. Oh no, that's yeah. 
and you deserve fucking whatever, like the easiest life ever after that. So, but I am glad that she, I think that's fantastic that she adapted and just carried on, right? That's what you do. So she kind of had no other choice. Yeah. I mean, it's, you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I do think it's really sweet that I, well, and plus I also really get her point. She was like, I've got scars on my body that remind me of this happening and I had no control over that. I wanted to have control over something else. I, I want to do this willfully. This. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely understandable. I think absolutely. A black marble memorial to the victims of Flight 255 stands on Middle Belt Road near the I-94 or overpass surrounded by blue spruce trees. And here's a picture of the memorial. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, it is nice. It is nice. The stone is etched with the names of the victims of the crash and a pair of doves with a ribbon held in their beaks. You can kind of see that here. Mm -hmm. That reads, quote, their spirit still lives on, end quote. The remains of the 156 victims are interred at the United Memorial Gardens near Plymouth, Michigan. Eleven bronze caskets were buried and are marked with bronze markers. And when I was uh, going through the script, I was like, eleven? Why just eleven? And I was like, oh, remains. Like, it's not, these aren't full bodies. So, yeah. At least that's my guess. So nearby, a bronze statue of a little girl swinging on a swing set along with a flagpole and two memorial tablets. Or... Our, um, uh, anyway, our, that was not a complete sentence I wrote, but anyway, one tablet, uh, reads, quote, memory comes to life when we recall the date, August 16th, 1987, and the air tragedy at Metropolitan Airport seconds after takeoff, 156 persons were ushered into another world. Four-year-old Cecilia Kitchen received a most precious gift, life. Her name will be recorded in aviation history as the sole survivor of Flight 255, end quote. And the other tablet is in recognition of the donors to the Children's Hospital. Hmm. That was the story of Northwest Airlines Flight 255. Wow. No wonder nobody wants to listen to this shit right now. Not that that was a shit that was wonderfully done, Eric. Thank you. Absolutely I realized was. how horrible that what I just said was. I, what I mean is just that this is fucking depressing. Maybe we just need to switch to all good things for the time being. Well, I mean, people are sending us scripts, which we highly Mm -hmm. appreciate. And and, encourage. Yes, and like I said, we will get to all of them. Oh, yeah. Um, My sentiment is let's keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. And then just with a little bonus here and there. You know, just talk about something fun. Talk about, uh, you know, because the reason people came to us in the first place... That's because this is something they're interested mm-hmm. interested in. It's something we're interested in. It's also okay if you're not interested right now. Yeah, It's absolutely. okay if you're like a loyal listener who's like, geez, guys, I, I don't know if I can hang right now. That's okay. I pretty much have stopped going to Twitter altogether. Yeah. Like in that. the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Because I can't take the, um, the vitriol between people. Mm-hmm. I can't take the... It's like... Do you people realize what the fuck we're about to deal with? Yeah. We're dealing with a, at best, at best, we're dealing with an economic crisis. Right? That's w- the easy part. Which is never good. Jeez, yeah. Um. So I'm not into the, why is Bernie Sanders still running? 
Uh, Joe Biden's losing his mind. I'm not into that bullshit mm. right now. Because that's exactly what the fuck it is. It's bullshit. Yeah. Like, we need to... It's losing focus. We need to fucking huddle together. Mm-hmm. Count the fucking top 5% of the people out. Count them out. Top 10%. The people with the money. You can fucking count them out. We already know that mm-hmm. from what the we're bill was. The rest of us are on our own, yeah. There were great parts of the bill that passed the other day, and there were the usual terrible fucking parts. The sad thing is, is that's what we've had to get used to over the past 40 years, is like, oh, we're going to get fucked in the ass, but as long as they use lube first, like, we'll deal with it. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to put it so vulgar, but that's how it is. Yeah. Fucking a, a one-time $1,200 payment isn't going to fucking cut it. But industry gets bailouts. Left Whatever right, the yeah. fuck they want. And uh, sadly, this is the second time we've had to go through this mm-hmm. in 12 years. Yeah. People aren't going to put up with this again. The difference being is, are they going to deal with it uh, in a voting booth or are they going to deal with it in the street? Mm-hmm. That part of it is up to the people that run shit. Mm-hmm. The reaction is going to be what the reaction is going to be. Mm-hmm. But if you you want the reaction to be kind of subtle and we're all going to deal with this, you make working people whole and you fucking do it today and you do it right now. So that is my that is my blurb. We are with you mm-hmm. because we know there are a lot of gig economy workers. Mm-hmm. We know there are a lot of part-time workers that listen to us. We know there are a lot of... We know the, there are. We already know that there are people that have lost their job already. My uh, listen to us. My uh, aunt Tracy is a self-employed hairstylist. Yeah, good. who's not working right now. Anyone who good is not allowed to get within six feet of people yeah, who are luck. hairdressers. Yeah, good luck. No way to do that remotely. Yeah, and yeah. Those, those are the people that need to be made whole, not yep. on the other. Not the corporate. No. Those people are fucking fine. <laughs> that stuff is bullshit They will be anyway, fine. Yep. Um, so what I'm calling for, for, for from the audience listening, uh, we just need, and, and we have a worldwide audience. This is affecting everybody worldwide. Well, yes, it is. Uh, we just need solidarity. Mm-hmm. Hang in there. We got to do our herbies. We got to puke our guts out. That's we, right. We just have to get through this. Mm-hmm. But let's come out at together mm-hmm. we'll figure the rest of the shit out later but for right now let's have some solidarity and we'll do it for you if you do it for us absolutely we'll do it for you even if you don't do it for us but it would be nice I, i'm gonna do it regardless mm-hmm. I'll, i'm gonna play my part whatever it needs to be regardless mm-hmm. i know you will and i know everybody listening will too mm-hmm. and that's what we're calling on we have faith in you yes we do so that was Northwest Airlines Flight 255. Thank you, Eric. That Absolutely. was so well Thank done. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Eric. On a cell Eric, phone, no less. Eric, in parentheses, from his smartphone. <laughs> no, did you hear that? <laughs> I wrote that. <laughs> That's just about the only thing I wrote. He wrote the rest. <laughs> and this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.